Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane, mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Human movement is at an all-time low, and our children are currently facing both a movement and nature deficiency with physical, mental, and environmental consequences. The good news is, while the problem feels massive, the solution is quite simple and fun. Join me today for this conversation with biomechanist and best-selling author Katie Bowman about how we can be using habit stacking to incorporate more movement into our daily lives and much more. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. And guys, we are seven away from that 600 number that I was hoping to get to by the end of the year. So thank you guys so much for leaving those ratings and reviews. We only need seven more to get to 600. As for my minimalist moment this week, I wanted to share just a quick decluttering tip I've been using with my husband and I. I noticed we'd been procrastinating clearing off the countertop. So what I decided to do was grab a box. I took the box and I went through everything on the countertop. Everything that I wanted to keep, I gave a home or put it back in its original home. So the things that I wanted to throw away, plus some of my husband's things that were on the countertops, I put into that box and he'll take a second look at it and repeat the same strategy. He'll find a home for the things that he likes and then toss the box. So it's just an Amazon box that I had in the basement. But this way we're both getting the chance to go through some of these things that have been sitting around and obviously we didn't know what to do with them at the time and that's why they started cluttering up. But because we both get that chance to go through them at our own time, which is really, that's that's the biggest key to this, is that we both can declutter even though we're not doing it necessarily together at the same time. He has that box in his little workshop that he can go through and then toss what he doesn't need or recycle whatnot. And I think when you are living a very busy life, which I would say especially this month we are, sometimes you have to come up with strategies to continue to let your household function well. And this has really seemed to work for us. So I hope that someone influenced it this week and let me know how it goes. I definitely want to hear how it goes. Send me a DM. All right, let's get into this conversation with Katie. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I have actually heard about you through some other people in the minimalist area, I guess we'll say. And I was really excited to get connected with you. So I'm glad you're here. But before we get into our conversation today, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to the listeners and then we'll get started. My name is Katie Bowman. I am a biomechanist, which is a particular science that deals with how physical forces affect living systems. So like what we'll be talking about today is how do the forces that we um, expose ourselves to in our environment, and that would include, you know, exercise as an environment, the furniture that we have in our house as being an environment, how does that affect how our body works, or as far as children goes, how their body develops. And I'm also a mom, I have a almost nine year old and a 10 year old. So I'm in thick of my parenting years as well. And so I I would say that a lot of my biomechanical work has been focused on 
what do humans need? What are the essentials? Mm-hmm. What are our biological essentials? Um, and movement is one of those. And so I spent a lot of time writing books about it and doing lectures about it and making videos about it, essentially just trying to make all mediums available for those who are looking for, you know, this, you have a podcast about the idea of minimalism and minimalism usually means less stuff, you know, less chaos, maybe in people's lives. Mm -hmm. But how I like to uh, set the tone is a lot of times minimalism, really, we, we could say minimalism. We could also say maximalism. What we're trying to do is we're trying to maximize the other non stuff areas of our lives. And so with, I actually have a, an essay in one of my books saying minimalism is really maximalism because I'm trying to say that uh, a lot of our stuff is literally and figuratively keeping us and kids from moving. And so how do we negotiate that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I always ask my guests, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Which again, I would just assume you are through some of the work that you're doing. And as you said, just maximizing a minimalist home or minimalist movement. We're trying to get the max effect of implementing these types of systems or rhythms into our lifestyle. But I'm curious to know what you would say. Yeah, I would say I am. Short answer, um, non-nuanced answer is yes. Yeah. Well, let's get into our conversation and talk more about the movement specifically. So movement in our day-to-day and tell me why we're not getting as much. And then is it actually easy to get more? I guess in a nutshell, it's really it has to do with our pursuit of convenience and comfort. And mm-hmm. I would say that they're, they're really those habits that we have of seeking out those two things probably fly under our very own radar more than we realize. I think that there are subconscious pursuits. Like, I don't think people are necessarily thinking like, I just want to remove all of the movement from my house or from my wardrobe or from my day, but we make a lot of other changes where that becomes a side effect. Um, And so we've just pursued things that we think are convenient Um, Mm -hmm. because we perceive them as saving time, perhaps, you know, like driving is one way of saving time. But my argument against the convenience factor is you still need the movement in this case. Mm -hmm. So if you have an essential that you just got rid of in the period of a day, but you still require that movement, then you haven't really saved any time at all. You just Mm -hmm. avoided the movement. So a lot of times when we get rid of a task or a a technology or upgrade it to a new one. We don't often rate what's what the cons are or what the losses are. We can typically tend to focus on the gains. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one again blanket way, but there's a lot of examples that fit into that. Your second question is: Is it easy mm-hmm. to get more? And I would say it's simple. The solution can be simple, but simple doesn't always mean easy. I mean, we're not dealing with complex. I don't want to say it's not complex problems. The situation is not complex in the sense of we have, we are experiencing a lack of movement and we need to move more. There's not a ton of complexity, but there is complexity into like how we got here, but the solutions are quite simple. They just, they take reorganizing our lives a little bit. Same as, you know, any other minimalist pursuit, you know, like if what you're doing is you're stepping outside of the culture a little bit on how, how all the systems are set up for a lot of stuff. And so when you take a step to reduce 
some of these barriers to your own personal or family movement again, and not complex, but they, they just take a mental shift and Mm -hmm. then, and then following that a physical shift. Yeah, absolutely. So tying movement to our natural habits, I guess, again, some of this would seem second nature, but it's not. And I want to hear more about that. How can we tie movement more into our natural habits? And I want to talk about habit stacking and how that may be beneficial when trying to tie it into our natural habits. Well, what I was trying to do with Grow Wild, which is my book for children Mm -hmm. and families and allo parents, is start with the foundational understanding of we all have human needs. Um, they're essentials. We can't go without eating. We can't really go without shelters of different types. We can't go without movement. Um, and so every day parents are trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I meet these needs? Not only for, um, the children in my life, but also for myself, right? Because, because we also have these same needs. And so the way that we tend to approach meeting our needs is very one at a time. So, um, you know, I've expanded on that in various places, but it's this idea of, you know, you make a big to-do list of all of your tasks every day. Um, And what I'm trying to show in that first section of the book is how do the tasks that we do every day relate to these essential categories that we have to fill, right? We, We not only have the sleep and the food and the movement, you know, the most more basic biological ones, but then there's the more complex biological ones where you have to make a living, you know, so mm-hmm. that before earlier in the human timeline, it wasn't so much that you had to have a living. I mean, you had to have a living, but that living was essentially just gathering food, making things, you know, producing your essentials. Mm-hmm. So where this ties nicely into the minimalism understanding is we spend a lot of time now creating and pursuing non-essentials. And that is the stuff that now we've got more of the non-essentials and less of the essentials. And again, those essentials, I'm going to say are the biological essentials. And so by looking for where movement meets the essentials Mm -hmm. is a, is that's what stacking is. Stacking is okay. So my children want to be with peers, um, I want to be with my friends. We need some nature time. We need some movement time and we all need to eat. Well, normally that could look like a long list of tasks. That's arranging a play date. That's, um, you know, getting to the grocery store and like, not to mention like the cooking and the cleaning up after you do all that, that would mean like you needing to schedule time with your friends or a date with your partner. Like we, we approach them, our needs one at a time where more traditionally, again, along the human timeline, and then also in other cultures besides this, you know, particularly consumer-based culture is you could gather with friends for a meal outside. That's Mm -hmm. one task, Mm -hmm. right? You choose to have a weekly picnic or we, we call it soup nights and we just take turns in a backyard and it's only one person who's making the food and yeah, you're making a bunch of soup for a bunch of people, but you're also not going to make soup the rest of the month or any meals or do any cleaning on the other Wednesdays of that month. And then everyone's just outside and no one's on devices and we're moving outside and like, we're not doing a very complex activity. We're just eating outside. I mean, it's not a radical thing. It's communal eating outside. It's been around as long as we have this concept, but yet it's, it's sort of like this special occasion. Um, it, it seems 
extra special now, given the context in which we're trying to do it. But again, it's a very simple way of meeting multiple mm-hmm. needs. So that's an example of snacking and, and movement goes into all of those basic human needs. Because remember, we always have up until recently met our needs physically. It mm-hmm. is only recently where I can, with the small movement of my thumb, order food right to my house or arrange transportation right from my house to another place. I can buy a house. Mm -hmm. I can find a mate. I can do all of that with a swipe of my thumb and think of all of the movements that used to have to go into that and that these are gone now. And the trade-off is convenience, but then there's also, like I said, not really convenience because there's a loss of all this movement that we got to now then figure out how to pay for schedule Mm -hmm. and, you know, source. And so that's, that's really the overall approach to how I'm working with families and and not just families, you know, teachers, anyone who's setting up space for environments for children to recognize less is more, you know, Mm -hmm. less, less stuff um, can often be, or lessening your stuff can be a a surefire way to get more movement. Mm -hmm. Fall is finally here. It's a great time to get started on a new home decor project, crafting a self-care or preparing DIY gifts for the holidays. I've really been wanting to get into more crafting as just a hobby and a distressor. So receiving my first Maker Crate from KiwiCo was really exciting. I knew about their amazing boxes for kids, but I didn't realize that they also had options for teens and adults. My project was an embroidered apron. I have friends that are into embroidery and I've always wanted to test my skills, so this was the perfect way to try it out. I think next I'll have to try the macrame planters crate. But Maker's Crate is designed to help teens and adults discover new art and design tools and to gain the creative confidence to turn their artistic visions into design realities. To macrame hangers, to terrazzo trays, take pride in making something fun and functional. KiwiCo delivers high-quality materials, tools, and inspiration to encourage lifelong art and design skills. Turn artistic visions into reality with Maker Crate from KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping with code MINIMALIST at KiwiCo.com. At K-I-W-I-C-O.com promo code minimalist. Today's Minimalist Mom sponsor is Zoop Good Really Good Broth. This flavor first broth is kettle cooked in small batches and completely free of artificial ingredients, preservatives, hormones, gluten, and GMOs. It's available in retailers nationwide and their selection of nine different premium flavors will not disappoint. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I've been drinking their bone broth regularly. It's perfect in the morning or as an afternoon pick-me-up, especially as we move into cozy fall and winter. Minimalist Mom listeners can get 20% off their first purchase by using the coupon code MINIMALIST20 on Amazon. Again, it's delicious, it's convenient, and good for you. Zoop Good Really Good Broths are a great pantry staple. Browse delicious recipes and learn more at zoopbroth.com or by following at Zoop Good Really Good on Facebook and Instagram. You talk about in your book changing your home's movement rules. So I'm curious to know what is one rule that 
someone could change that they're not necessarily thinking of. I like the idea that you said going outside as a family with some other friends. I often do that with girlfriends instead of meeting them for lunch or dinner. I'm like, Hey, why don't we grab coffee and go for a walk? Or just why don't we just meet for a walk? And that way we're experiencing the richness of our friendship while also getting active. So I do appreciate that. But yeah, going back to the home and the movement rules, what's something that you'd, that maybe we wouldn't think of? Well, I don't think we realize even that we have that we're communicating to our children Mm -hmm. and to each other about what movements are tolerated or acceptable and which are not Mm -hmm. allowed. And so I think, especially during the pandemic time, when people were spending more time in their house and noticing how their houses were not conducive to movement, let alone enough movement, you know, like, you know, your kids are like, no jumping is an example of a rule. Don't climb on the furniture, um, you know, be quiet when you're in these spaces and a lot of that has to relate to, I mean, they're not, they're not, not for good reasons, these rules, but the reasons often have to do with your house is full of things that cannot handle movement, right? Mm-hmm. Nick things that'll get knocked over and broken. Again, this is just stuff, decorative stuff, but movement is the essential. So changing a rule, I just did another show about this where, you know, the question was somewhat similar. It's like, if you're hesitant to allow movement in the house, like how do you negotiate feeling like movement could be unsafe for kids, you know, Mm -hmm. or unsafe for the features of your house is like, okay, well then a simple solution would be to set up a space where movement is tolerated in the house. Like what, and in in the book, in every section of the book, I have people go through what I call a bias check-in asking Mm -hmm. themselves to answer or, or in conjunction with their family or, or coworkers, Mm -hmm. how would we answer these questions? So we can see why we hold these beliefs, where they come from, and if we need to let them go, or if we need to look more deeply at, oh yeah, no, I need this here. So then how do we negotiate with my need for this and and then others need for movement? So setting up a movement space, you know, clearing a wall, allowing handstands in the house, letting kids jump. But if you need to set up a safer way for them to do it, um, protecting your things, like those are all just negotiation so that everyone, everyone within a home is having their needs met. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What would you say you want people to take away, specifically mothers, when they're reading your book? I, well, I think that parents tend to worry about their children mm-hmm. a lot. And there's definitely in this landscape a lot of worry about sedentary kids. And maybe more specifically, when kids are sedentary, it's usually because they are then taking in something else, you know, media or, or device time. And like, that's a concern. And so my advice or the reason I'm putting this book out is to say, we're, we're having a lot of stress about a, a very scenario in which we are also simultaneously creating without awareness. Like we are simply all a sedentary culture So moving more and movement in the ways that I'm trying to outline. So again, it's not that whole body exercise activity. It could be the clothing you're buying for your kids is keeping their body parts from moving. You know, like that's a simple Mm -hmm. adjustment. People don't think about, you know, if you're not a biomechanist, you might not think about the the traction a shoe offers or the stiffness of a shoe and how that's often what makes kids clumsy and not able to walk comfortably and is plays a role in why they don't want to get off the sedentary experience because movement hurts. It's uncomfortable. Like we don't realize that the things that are very commonplace in our culture are often all movement 
um, suppressors, detractors. They're just culturally, what is our stuff? Like we don't really examine closely Mm -hmm. the relationship between everyday choices and how that is, those are the drops in the bucket that is getting us to massive sedentarism worldwide and that our children and that children as a human group have never been this sedentary before. And I also, the other main takeaway is you only get one shot at developing your adult body. That's what the juvenile period is for. Mm -hmm. So something like bone density is the easiest one for me to explain. You are maximizing your bone density, you know, up to 16 or 17 for the rest of your life. You don't get to ever go above that period of time. So we, we aren't even fully understanding what seems to be sort of an inconvenient kids just would rather do this than that. Like biologically, physiologically, what we've done is sort of shut the door on robust adults coming down the pipeline later on. And this is an unprecedented situation, but that all being said, as dire as that sounds, again, the solution's quite simple. You just have to uh, look for it and realize that you have to muster the energy to really redirect and then set up. That's why I'm so focused on environments. If you set up an environment, that's a single time investment of your action, your movement, Mm -hmm. and then the payoff can happen every single day, as opposed to trying to muster the energy to, you know, find some great experience to take your kids out of the house to, to get more movement. Like that gets challenging. It's definitely challenging financially and you have to have extra time to be able to do it. But if you just modify your environment, Uh, Humans, like any other animals, are beckoned to move by the environments that they're placed in. So we just need to make those more dynamic. No, that's that's a great answer. It is, it is crazy how much we do have to seem seemingly go out of our way these days to get exercise. And you just think back to a couple hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, and just how much movement women were getting in their day to day to where like we didn't need to have to go to a gym, we didn't have to pay a personal trainer because we were exhausted by the end of the day just by living our day to day life. And that's grand. And like, yes, 100 and 200 years ago, but it's our grandparents, it's yeah. our parents, mm-hmm. it's exponential. The problem that we're having is exponential. So, mm-hmm. yes, the difference between movement 200 years ago. And the movement of our grandparents was small, but it's nothing like the difference between our grandparents mm-hmm. and the kids today. So again, exponential means that those changes are happening much more rapidly than ever before. Where where yes, we humans have you know been tran- they've been they've been moving towards less movement for some time, thousands of years, but nothing like we have right now. This is completely, this is like being on a different planet, Mm -hmm. essentially, physiologically. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, interesting to see what the next 30 or 40 years looks like. Well, and you said it, it's, it's curious how we've done all the stuff to, we think our benefit or for convenience, but really how inconvenient will it be in the long run with possible health outcomes, you know? And I don't think that was necessarily thought through all the way when we, when we decided to, I keep saying we, like it's me. Um, you're in the meeting when you're in the meeting, yeah, you're like, I yeah, I vote for that. Meeting. Like that's yeah. <laughs> when these, when whoever was making the decisions and innovation, I guess, in general, it, I just think some of those things, the kinks aren't all worked out yet. And also we don't have time to go into this, but I think about how 
in Columbus here, most places and most areas you have to get in your car to drive, to see friends or family. Like our communities aren't set up to be walkable and bikeable these days. And I think it used to be a lot much, people used to be a lot more, I guess, close knit and tight with their community. And it was just like, we go everywhere within our little community. And I just think about that kind of stuff too. You can learn more a lot Mm -hmm. about that phenomenon through America walks, right? So it's sort of, it's an organization that is really looking at trying to lobby for or preserve the act of of walking and, and biking and other, other non um, motorized transportation, wheeling, you know, using wheelchairs, even it's just a concept called mobility justice. It's just this idea that healthy cities have the ability for people to move around using their own bodies. And so Mm -hmm. You know, on the political level, we just need advocates for for that to be possible in the places mm-hmm. that we live. Oh, well, I'll be sure to share that link in the show notes. I thanks for sharing that. Well, Katie, this was a great conversation, and you go into so much more detail in your book about everything you addressed here, and I highly recommend it. But where can listeners connect with you online? Where can they grab a copy of your book? I'd love to know. Uh, you can get the book at growwildbook.com. Um, and then you can also find it any place books are sold. You can find it in your local bookstore and you could walk there and pick it up. Um, you can, it's also available on audiobook or ebook. So if you prefer those formats, that's available. And uh, you can find me at nutritiousmovement.com or nutritiousmovement on Instagram, Facebook, or we have a great YouTube channel too. You can see how I've set up my home for more movement and you can see a lot of the other things for kids and just for adult bodies that need some restorative movement. Absolutely. And again, we barely scratched the surface here of everything you go into depth with, with your new book. So I highly recommend it. And I just really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.